Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Theatrical Mustang Podcast. I'm your host, Woodzik. This is episode 117 with one of my favorite people in the world, Ayla Sullivan. When I thought about casting myself in my thesis, I knew I needed someone who I could really trust and someone who could capture the Woodzikness of Woodzik, and Ayla Sullivan is singularly that person. They're not only performing in my MFA thesis stage reading, which will be featured in the Theater Maiden Boulder Festival on February 4th at noon in the Gordon Gam Theater at Dairy Arts Center. They moved us to a bigger venue because we sold out the smaller one. They are also co-writing the piece with me, and so you're going to stop and see this piece that we've written at Dairy Arts Center, and then you're going to hop on to see you presents and you're going to buy your tickets for We Are the Wake, which is Ayla's play that will be opening on Wednesday, February 7th, running through Sunday the 11th, the Lop Theater at CU Boulder. And then you're going to go over to local theater company's website and you're going to get your tickets for Wisdom from Everything, which Ayla will be acting in, which will also be at the Dairy Arts Center. Grace Gam Theater. Ayla's amazing. You just, anything they are involved in, support it and go see it and all the things. I bet you're wondering... Who our sponsor is for this episode? Well, guess what? It's Ring of Keys. Not only the beautiful song from Fun Home, but a new collective of queer women, trans, and gender non-performing artists working on and off stage in musical theater. Ring of Keys seeks to create a community for its members as well as serve as a hiring resource via our member directory for those looking to work with professional artists who self-identify as lesbian, bisexual, queer, femme, trans, non-binary, and the diversity of genders that queerness contains. Take note, folks, that is how you write a fantastic mission statement that is inclusive as heck. Key beliefs of Ring of Keys. We believe that disparities within our industry are intersectional. We believe that our diversity is an asset to the musical theater landscape. We believe that by elevating queer women, trans, and gender conforming artists in our industry, we give conscious and subconscious permission to future queer artists to elevate themselves. We believe in making space for marginalized voices within our own queer community. Through consciousness raising and visibility, Ring of Keys strives to push the boundaries of musical theater today, kickball change, the door open, and reveal a vibrant musical theater landscape for the future. So if you're listening to this description and you're like, um, hey, over here, I want to be a key, you're going to hop over to www.ringofkeys.org and you are going to click on the link that allows you to apply to be a key. Do it. Do it. Support all the queer art, okay? Are you on it? <laughs> Fantastic. Now, please enjoy episode 117 with Ayla Sullivan. I am pleased as punch to welcome <laughs> Ayla Sullivan to the Theatrical Mustang Podcast. Welcome! Yay! No one can see my arms are up. No one I can put, see. I, I know. I have on. the issue of I gesticulate wildly and then I have to be like, dear listeners, this is what's happening right now. <laughs> so we're going to do a podcast. We, we're writing a, uh, we're writing a play. We're not quite sure if it's a play. Is it a it play? It could be a theatrical event, a mixtape. <laughs> we don't know. It's worth watching. But it's worth watching. And it's that's, worth your dollars. That's the main 
point. Exactly. And so let's front load this episode talking about trans actions. There's a ghost light in between the S of trans and the A of actions. I have been trying to figure out what that was. It's a ghost light. Yeah, and so it's because it's because there's an activist. Uh huh. Right, the ghost light project. Yeah. There's well, there's a ghost light project, but then also there's a trans woman activist who said who basically took data from two different surveys Mm -hmm. and put them together. They they happened in time close enough to each other where she could definitively say that more Americans say that they have seen a ghost that met a trans person. Oh my gosh. And so that's sort of the hidden meaning of well, the ghost light. joke's on you. I'm a ghost of a man and a trans person. <laughs> so anyone, I am the outlier in that situation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did I tell you? I just got a, a coffin tattoo also. Right. Yeah. And that was because you have... Is it true that you have almost died 12 times? Yes, I have, I have almost died 12 times. Um, and I got coffin because I love dead people. And then Who doesn't love dead people? Right, I just, we should honor them. And then um, I found out also that my uh, numero- numerological path, you know, numerology, mm-hmm. yeah. is seven. So I, I put that on my body, and then I realized because of my other play, <laughs> We Are the Wake, which is about dead people, and the promo posters are coffins um opens on the seventh so it's just kind of a bang 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 thing so this is this is like a wild and incredible month for you so let's track this chronologically so (laughs) february 4th transactions dairy art center so we sold out so flippin fast that and thank you to both theater made boulder and the dairy art center for moving us into the 240 seat, like, <laughs> <What>? big kids <laughs> auditorium, which feels, it feels, you know what makes me so flippin' happy about that mm-hmm. is that the two, arguably the two queerest plays <laughs> sold out well, in the festival. Know, it's almost like we've been here and we deserve to be here. And, and like, we deserve to make art and tell our own stories weird. and, like, have, and people actually, like, want to show up and see that. I that's know, so weird. That's strange that what? there is an audience to see us. <laughs> And the audience is us also. What? Wow. <laughs> I, but I'm excited. And, and what I love too is that I don't know a lot of people who are, I thought that I would know more people who have purchased tickets, mm-hmm. but I don't. And so I love that the cast and just the content in and of itself has been uh, attractive and enticing mm-hmm. to people. So it's, so folks, it's at noon on February 4th, uh, there's still plenty of tickets left right now because we just opened up 140 in, yeah. more. So <laughs> get your come. tickets. There'll be there'll be a link in the episode description, and so it is a fundraiser for Trans Lifeline. And so if you're able to do a ten dollar donation, that's a suggested donation. And if you're not, hey, we want you to come anyway. We don't want that to be an impediment for you to come if this mm-hmm. is something that if this is a party you want to join. If you think this is for you, it probably <laughs> is for you. So you should show up. I yeah. want to talk through some of our cast. Yeah. So we have you playing <laughs> you. the Woodzik character. Air quotes, dear <laughs> listeners. Uh, which is I have nothing but just there's no words to put into gratitude how much there is. So thank you for being thank me. You. Um, it's kind of a wild, wild <laughs> character. And honestly, probably the coolest character I have ever had the privilege to play. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, yeah, you know, I've never been able to play a non-binary character or a character that I get to help 
speak a little bit because I, in terms of playwriting, I, I refuse to write for myself, <laughs> which I think is a pretty like ass backwards way of looking at uh, playwriting because you know you have the playwrights who they're deep and they want to tell their life stories and then you right. have the playwrights that are I strictly write for actors you know and they try to be the cool guy like we get it you're on our team you don't <laughs> have to play for us like just right. chill out Neil Simon you know people like that um but Shut I <laughs> the heck out Neil Simon get out of here okay you're truly lost in Yonkers anyway <laughs> 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 um, yeah, wow. I, don't, I don't know. It seems like kind of an odd couple to me. What? <laughs> Where's the good doctor? We could go all night. <laughs> oh, oh no. Um, but see, we don't now want my to. theater dad is coming out. Um, my inner dad is coming. But yeah. Uh, so for me, I, I, as a playwright, I, I really have discovered that I want to write for directors, which is kind of a. Oh, that's interesting. I've, I don't think I've ever seen people who want to do that, and I, I'm attracted by directing so much, um, but I, after taking this past directing class, I've, I've really found the reason I want to direct is because I love writing. Um, so I should just marry those two, even though I don't believe in marriage. Um, <laughs> and, um, and I think there should be more plays that, you know, speak, speak to folks that allow them to see the possibilities or open up their minds to different casting. And I think that's why I love writing our play so much because it, it, it's speaking to, you know, casting directors, it's speaking to people in the industry that nobody sees, um, so that there are more opportunities. And, of, you know, at the end of the day, it should also be fun for the actors, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to write. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm Part of this process has been for me, like, I know I'm an actor and a director and a producer, mm -hmm. and I know I'm a writer, but I don't know if I'm a playwright, mm -hmm. because... Well, too bad you are, because you wrote a play. We wrote a play, and <laughs> playwright. Fantastic. Um, but that's, it's been, I, I'm someone who really likes to do things correctly. Yeah. Uh, and to be very straight-A student mm -hmm. kind of person. And so <laughs> it's been a wonderful sandbox to be in, to be like, yeah, we don't, we don't, we want to play with a bunch of toys that aren't in this sandbox, so we're just going to write them. <laughs> they will come to, we want a sword fight? Fantastic. Let's put a sword fight in. That's oh. great. One um, of my favorite conversations I think we ever had, probably, I think this was prior to writing ever, like physically together, yeah. was that you found the fire truck in a dumpster. <laughs> it's true. It wasn't in a dumpster. <laughs> it's but, fun if it is. But it's, it's I like, I like, I would love to create a piece of theater where it's just like, okay, you have this truck and you can only get, you can only make this piece from free stuff off of Craigslist. Like, I'm so obsessed with thrifting and like mm. not, I mean, I like, I saw Frozen. Like, I love <laughs> the spectacle of theater for sure. But in terms of the stuff that I produce, like, mm. I like it to be a bit more scrappy because I think mm. that's where the really exciting stuff happens and so yes I was driving past my apartment a couple times and there was this children's fire truck that was just by the dumpster and I couldn't I couldn't leave it there and so I <laughs> I, I, I messaged you and I was like can we write can we ride a fire truck into the and play? Of course. Of, of course, course we, we can. can. And we did and you should see how that fire truck is being used on the 12th. Nope on the 4th at 12th. <laughs> See, here we are. Here we are. Here we I, are. I have a lot of numbers in my head. That's why. It's, it's all good. Speaking of numbers, uh -huh. fantastic segue. Uh, so some of our other, so what's really cool is with 
the exception. It's more than really cool. It's fucking revolutionary, and mm-hmm. I just swore, and that's fine because it's my podcast. Um, <laughs> the fact that the so the show opens with Phoenix, which is Colorado's trans choir, singing a uh, Woodzik original, um, mm-hmm. and so that's that's the opening piece of it, and then. Um, our cast, with the exception of Amy Buckler, who plays all cis roles, is entirely comprised of local transgender and non- gender nonconforming actors. And I would like to tell you, spoiler alert, was not that hard. <laughs> was not that hard, people. I, I get really upset when producers are like, well, I would, you know, I would love to cast more queer or trans people. I just can't. I just can't find them. <laughs> or if I find them, they aren't, you know, tra- you know, trained enough, which is something we go into a little bit in the play. But like right. that's 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 just stupid and wrong. <laughs> and so don't say things like that. Yep. Like you can find them. You just need to like go to the places they yeah. are instead of going to the places you normally go to and being surprised that they aren't there. <laughs> I feel like cis people think of trans people as horcruxes, you know what I mean? That we are, like, one, we are always people who wish we we were born in a different body. Like, I'm sorry, I'm whatever the, you know, the Gryffindor's sword or whatever. Uh, I'm sorry you were like that. Come with me and we'll break you up and you'll turn you into a real person. You'll be a cis person. It's like, my guy... Trans people are literally all around you, have always been yeah. around you. We have existed as long as people have because uh, the gender binary doesn't exist and you just need to wake up and realize that. <laughs> and um, I, think, I think cis people have this very strange view on what a trans person should look like. And to some extent, like it's, it's, it's their fault, but it's not their fault because if you think of like how media... Yeah. portrays trans people or how people have described what a trans person looks like um they 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 perceive trans people to to be this sort of like very loud <laughs> i am trans kind of figure in their lives the same way that i think you know cis and straight people tend to see queerness in general yeah that like that that it has to be this sort of feather boa <laughs> in in the room, just I jump in for am them. What I <laughs> yeah, am. exactly. <laughs> like, um, and I and I also think there's this weird. We were talking about this earlier. Um, morbid curiosity of yeah, like the coming out story. Are you gay if you you know if you haven't had sex with another person that is the same gender as you? Are you trans if you don't hate your body? Or like, are you trans if you have never questioned your body? Right. Because I, I think some of the most beautiful things about being a part of the slam poetry community is meeting meeting these amazing just little nuggets of wisdom. Like their entire body are just wise. <laughs> and um, one of my dearest friends, he I met him through his poetry, and he's at the time was 15 and was like, hi, I'm trans. I've known I was trans since I was born and I don't understand why this is so hard for you. And at the time I was like, wow, I just came out to myself. Right. And even then I'm not really like loud about other people. I wish I could have that language. And here's this amazing 15 year old boy like, hello, we've been here for years. I already know about my colonized identities. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, and I, I remember like performing with the Denver Gaiman's Chorus with Phoenix and mm-hmm. 
having a friend of a friend in the audience and they just came up and they're like it was just part of their intro and they're like I'm so and so they them their pronouns like it wasn't a question it wasn't mm-hmm. an apology it's just like that's how they introduce themselves to anyone new that they meet wow and I'm like oh, not quite not quite there yet <laughs> yeah. like I, I, I'm, I think being socialized mm-hmm. in the Midwest there's a little bit and being and being older mm-hmm. like being 32 and being like let me gauge the social situation <laughs> yeah. and like I feel safe and if I want to deal with it today mm-hmm. and I have so much respect for like the generation coming up behind us who is like nope um, you are incorrect this is who <laughs> I am and we're moving on now exactly. and I think it's really interesting to see those folks meeting with like generation Xers or baby boomers mm-hmm. and I think at least I feel for my generation that we like put it on ourselves to like educate or to mm-hmm, placate mm-hmm. or you know we we abandon ourselves a little bit and i think it's i think some of the most exciting things happen when these younger folks come up against like baby boomers and are just like no like no <laughs> no like yeah. it's not even a discussion it's not mm-hmm. a restorative conversation we're going to have this is just who i am yeah. and you will deal with it <laughs> and i don't have to educate you mm-hmm. and you need to educate yourself and it's just it is that's it's, it's that kind of energy that like mm-hmm. gets me out of bed in the morning. Same. And I think the reason why it's so beautiful to me is because it's this radical form of self-love that I don't think any generation has ever had before. Because when we, we think yeah. of generations of, of love, right? I mean, the first thing I think of, you know, the 60s, right? It's free love, but it's not necessarily for yourself. It's for other people. And it's like, how can we come together as people to love each other? But yeah. it's never, I choose to love myself today. And I choose to love myself in whatever way that is healthy for me. And if that means posting amazing, beautiful pictures of myself on Instagram, that's what it means. And um, I, I really hate this this weird narrative being written by older folks saying that we're a self-obsessed generation or the people younger than us because they are, you know, they're growing up with technology in a very different way than anybody else has, that they are also self-obsessed. Because if anything, we're in, a, we're in an age where we can connect with people like us in ways we have never been able to before. Right. And especially as people of color or colonized people, we're connecting with our history um, and reconnecting with our people in a way that we couldn't have because we were literally taken from our homes and we're, we are part of a diaspora. And um, to, see, to see youth not being bogged down by that and to really love who they are and where they come from and loving their queer loving loving every part of their their whole experience and then using that to love each other like how could you ever say that we're self-obsessed um and finding ways to love yourself as a way to connect with other people is really beautiful not necessarily there's this weird uh trope of like, you can't love someone unless you love yourself, which is tired and disgusting and honestly ableist because it's neurotypical way of looking at love. Um, But I do think when we start to investigate the parts of ourselves that we choose to love, then it's, it's, it's such a great way to connect with other people who are going through the same sort of situation with you. And that in itself becomes a new form of love um, and relating to each other. And that's why I love the youths 
and I know <laughs> I know I sound <laughs> like really hypocritical because I'm a youth kind of but I just I I think you know children are the future and that's also a tired thing and it might just because I love be because I love Whitney Houston that I say you know children <laughs> are the future but they are and we should we shouldn't have to coddle adults the way that you would think we coddle children when like children don't need to be coddled anymore. They're just like, hello, see me as a, as a human that is equal to you, that is learning. And then if we just see everybody that way, imagine the world we would have. It would just be filled with light and art and love and uh, people that don't hate themselves, which. End of podcast, <laughs> perfectly said. <laughs> no, I, I love what you were saying about and then also, like, I think reframing self-love, because mm-hmm. I think people have this misconception where it's like, oh, it's like bubble baths and, Ugh. like, candles. And it's like, those are freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah totally. like But it's so, no, no two individual self-care looks the same. Mm-hmm. And, like, get your judgy mitts off of someone else's self-care, <laughs> because it's not going to be the same as yours and like I love the metaphor of spoons like how many spoons someone has mm-hmm. and like sometimes people just don't have the spoons and they're not asocial or whatever they just like I don't know I am rambling no I like what so what are some of your your like fave woodsick self-care things self-care. to do um I love I I love that I love being alone in the way that's, Mm -hmm. in a way, where when I was in my early 20s and even through my mid-20s, like, being alone felt like being punished. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that was, did you, my my parents did the thing of, like, you got a timeout and it was, like, one minute for each year you were old. Whoa, that's wild. I I mean, I got grounded like that, but... I remember, like, being, like, the last time it happened and it being 12. Like, mm-hmm. I was 12. It's like, you don't put kids in time out <laughs> when they're 12. But just, I remember being, like, so alone and so frustrated and just looking up on my backyard and just being like, oh, like, this is the worst. Like, being alone is the worst. And so mm-hmm. it's really beautiful to me to see that shift mm-hmm. and really, like, knowing more about my brain and about, like, anxiety to a level that it needs to be medicated and Mm -hmm. that's been to me like that's that's been like within the last year uh something I discovered about myself and so being like reveling in aloneness Mm -hmm. and being like I'm gonna watch whatever I want I'm just gonna snuggle up with my so my roommate's dog Gatsby he's not actually an emotional support dog He's too rough and tumble for that. He's a little <laughs> miniature pincher. Right. But he um, he did this thing last. He could tell he could tell when I'm really stressed out. Like I'm his step parent or whatever. But like <laughs> uh, he could tell when I'm really stressed out. And so and sometimes I just like I can't be around his energy. But when I can, like if I like even a couple weeks ago, like I lay down on the couch and he just like sat on my chest. Like emotional support animals mm-hmm. are supposed to do. Like therapy mm-hmm. dogs are supposed to do. But he would do this thing last year when we lived in a smaller apartment where he has like different toys like his stuff his stuffed animals and like if I were like if he sensed energetically that I was really stressed out I don't own him like (laughs) Ashley owns him uh he would put one of his stuffed animals like to the door of my bedroom (laughs) and so 
I, my mom, my mom follows me on social media mm -hmm. because I'm really bad at texting back sometimes <laughs> and phone calls. Um, but she sent me this like plush giraffe and mm -hmm. she was like inspired by Gatsby. And so Aww. I just like having, I usually like to have like perfect night at home would be like a whiskey ginger Ooh. cuddling with the giraffe, uh, and like having cheese and crackers mm. in bed and mm -hmm. watching, I just finished watching uh, episodes with Matt LeBlanc and oh, Tamsin Gregg. Yeah, I um, just heard about that show. It was super fun. And just like losing myself in mm -hmm. a show. Like that's like, that's the best. But I also like doing, like I don't, the artist's way is forever ruined for me because of an ex, but, um, <laughs> but like the thing of like artist states yeah. or like taking a day to just like, mm -hmm. I'm gonna start at this thrift shop and mm -hmm. like, see what presents itself and then I'm gonna take myself to lunch and mm -hmm. like I think like dating yourself is huge yes, like definitely. I can date myself I can't always love myself the yeah. way that I should but I can date myself oh definitely I am a fantastic date to myself now would I ever want to be in a committed relationship with myself no thank you <laughs> you know I could be in a committed friends with Benny's with myself with yourself? yeah yeah for sure and like you know eventually the friends with bennies becomes like a like a best friends with right. bennies but i will always what's weird is i always put my work before myself and before <laughs> other people so i i can only really see like my one true love for the rest of my life forever to be art and that's mm. a really hard thing to admit to other people specifically partners um because they you know, I, another reason, I always say this just casually that I hate marriage <laughs> or I think that marriage is a sham. And it's really because of ideas that you have to give your whole self to somebody. Right. And that's the expectation of being in a committed relationship with someone. And if I can't give my whole self to anything but my art, then I will never be able to do, be able to do that to someone else. Um, unless maybe they were a child. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I totally no. I hear, I so resonate with what you're saying. Uh, I hope I didn't interrupt you. No, you didn't. No. But yeah, like I can't explain that to anyone. Like you will never have all of me. <laughs> it's like that's a great preamble. It's like you'll mm -hmm. never have all of me. Let you know more so than that. It's not just that you'll never have all of me. There will be times when I disappear yep. for like six, you know, six to twelve weeks, and yep. you just won't see me. And when you do see me, I'm just like going to be half a person and like going to like <laughs> yes. just need hugs and kisses and like to go to bed yep. because like this is the thing I love to do mm -hmm. more than anything mm -hmm. in the world and I would rather work I don't know I would rather I would rather do a play than like start a new relationship <laughs> yeah no that's exactly how I feel especially with starting new plays it's kind of it kind of feels like starting a relationship where, like, oh, I just have this really great idea, and, oh, I don't know, and, you know, you're thinking about it all day, and then you go to write it, and, of course, you, you have, like, the quarrels with the play, and you have the quarrels with, you know, yeah. as you do, and eventually you decide to love it or leave it, and <laughs> that is what art is. End of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we were, we were talking right before we started recording that, is We Are the Wakers Transactions your seventh play? So Transactions is my seventh Seventh, play. and so eight will be We Are the Wake? Oh, sorry. No, no, no. So technically We Are the Wake is my sixth play. Okay. And then Transactions is my seventh, which is such a weird thing to realize. That's incredible. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Like, that's 
It's amazing. <laughs> uh, tell me mm-hmm. about We Are The Wake. It won a contest. Yes. yes. Yeah. Where did it come from? How did it get selected? When does it go up and where can people get tickets? Okay, great. So order of how things happen. Hmm. I'll say how it came from, where it came yep. from. Um, so I was on... Uh, Minor disturbance, no bedtime. Uh, slam poetry team for the years of 2015 and 2016. And uh, the 2015 team, which is OG team, like people I love probably the most in this universe are, were on that team. Um, and I still love the 2016 team, but 2015, they were my, yeah. my homies. Um, <laughs> and uh, we, we, as a team, did this piece, and I didn't write on it, called Mass Graves, which everyone should watch. Search Denver BNV Mass Graves 2015 on YouTube. Watch the shit out of it because it's an important poem. And uh, because of that poem, our slam mentor, Rebecca Preston, who I love also like more than anything in this world <laughs> besides my family, um, they were telling me about this island called Heart Island, which is off the coast of New York, and it is known as the largest tax-funded cemetery in the nation, which means it's also known as the largest mass grave, Um, even though politically I would say America is the largest mass grave, which is also in the play. So, (laughs) um, and I was really just attracted to this idea of an entire island of bodies, um, and the the fact that the people who bury the bodies are Rikers Island Penitentiary inmates. And of course, because prison labor isn't real labor, um, essentially slaves now, modern day slaves, are pallbearers for these bodies that are lost in an island. Um, There's over a million bodies on Hart Island uh, because it's been open since 1868 which it originally started out as a place where Confederate soldiers and slaves were buried. So the idea that even in death, black slaves couldn't be free from their masters is a really like wild thing. Um, And uh, I'm I'm just a nerd about the history. So um, um, since then, there have been a tuberculosis hospital built on the island, in addition to it still being a cemetery, uh, a boys' reformatory school, a rehabilitation center, um, an asylum at at one point, were all different things at the island. And uh, some striking things for me is there's, it's still an active place. So anytime a body can't be claimed in New York, they send it to this island to be buried. Um, A body not being claimed means either someone, no one could give the dead a proper funeral. No one could come within 48 hours to claim the body. Um, or uh, they were just, you know, found yeah. and left. So uh, a really striking thing, and it, it comes up actually in our play, this idea anyway, um, is there was a trench in Hart Island where most trenches are built um, four feet deep um, and just stacked, but this trench was built 12 feet deep, has 16 bodies, and they refer to it as the AIDS trench um, in the early years. So I would say 1983, 16 bodies built three times deeper than any. Um, and of course, 
who is more likely to be in that trench are trans people of color um, and trans queer people probably, um, or just queer, queer black men or, or were left down there. Um, and their bodies are still there. And their bodies can be mourned because you can only visit plots if you can prove that you're a relative of the people who are there. Gotcha. Um, and they only really started opening that up 10 years ago. And it's, again, been in, in business since right. 1860. Um, so, yeah, I was called to write a play about the stories of the dead there. <clears throat> There's also a trench filled with babies from the years of 1988 to 1999, which is our millennial generation yeah so there are over 8,000 babies from my generation that are just buried together um and that was a really striking weird thing to come on uh to, to come on sorry to come to come and find right <laughs> um and uh yeah I I when I heard that story when I heard the stories of Rikers Island which is also just a very scary weird place in general I I wanted to write I wanted to write about about people um, who lost their family or lost people they love and lost part of their own history even. Um, and I wanted to have a play that featured a majority of people of color uh, and that women of color specifically. And um, the the deadline for the new play festival, which was in... 2016, yep, figuring out <laughs> math, um, was coming up, and I knew I wanted to write this play, but I wasn't getting around to it, but I knew I knew I need, needed to do it, right. um, and I sat down the night before the deadline, and I wrote the first draft <clears throat> that oh came in gosh. at 76 pages, all in one night, because <laughs> I'm wild, um, yeah, and I... I didn't expect, I, I'd already submitted a play that I, I wrote the year before, um, and it didn't get accepted. So this, this play, I, I really was like, no, you're going to get, you're going to get one thing. You're just going to get one thing in this, in this festival, and if you can get it, you, you just get it, and at least you wrote the play you always wanted to write. And then um, the wild thing was it was accepted. <laughs> uh, 70, 70 pages of me rambling, basically, was accepted. And um, then it won, which was wild. <laughs> and by winning, um, I, got a, I had a stage reading of it through the festival. Uh, winning, now it is being produced two years after I just had this idea to write it. Um, and it goes up from February 7th through the 11th. And tickets you can find on cupresents.org. We'll have the link in the episode description. Yeah. I'm going opening night. Come <laughs> hang out with me. And just support um, a cast where there are mostly a majority of people of color. There are queer people in the show um, playing queer characters, which is, like, wild. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, how could you? Um, and uh, there are also these amazing, amazing people who are playing the dead which is originally written as a chorus of 12, but it's a chorus of six, and it's going to be great. It's also going to be staged in the round. What? In the loft theater? I, yeah, it's a real, it's a real theater, which is cool. I, I'm very, I'm very excited, and I feel very, just kind of in awe of everything that's happening right now, um, and so thankful, and especially thankful to the 
to the folks um, whose stories are, are lost and are trying to revive back for other people to care from her island. And Rikers, too, because their stories need to be told. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to go to opening night with you. <laughs> I know. But this is a segue. Isn't a great segue? <laughs> but you are going to be in rehearsal that yeah. night for Wisdom from Everything, which is going to be produced by a local theater company, our good friends. So tell me about that professional play that you're doing while you're still in undergrad. <laughs> Yeah, I also a weird thing um, that I should say, I'm just so also in all of that, um, particularly because you are the person who connected me to audition. Albeit awkwardly. <laughs> in a wonderful, wonderful way um, that I, you know, was invited to audition for this play the day before auditions. And I was like, well, you know, it'll be great experience. I, I should, I haven't really ever auditioned, you know, professionally, besides uh, Colorado Shakespeare Festival last summer, which in my case, yes, definitely great professional theater, but also it was through our school. So it yeah. doesn't, for me, I didn't think it really counted as much but as this, I mean, it, me going it and finding totally something. It totally counts, yeah. but <laughs> I completely validate your emotions. But yeah. this was you going out on your own, bringing it to Pesha and the good folks at local. Yeah, the amazing people. Um, and also it was the first... Um, it was the first audition I didn't wear a dress for, nice. which is a huge uh, thing for me. It was like the first one that I decided, no, I'm going to go in and just look look the way I want to look and wear clothes I want to wear. Um, and uh, I really, I really thought I bombed it. I thought <laughs> it was just awful. I was so nervous. I didn't know what to do. Um, and the fact I even got a callback was just wild to me and that they liked my callback enough to cast me is the mm-hmm. stranger, strangest part. Um, so I, I'm super excited we start rehearsals next week, which is amazing. Um, and uh, it's such a, a beautiful, beautiful play. Um, it's about Syrian refugees and the agency of women um, is kind of this overarching theme and you know what what do women do in order to provide for their families, in order to, in order to get education, right. um, and that it's set in, in you know, modern day, and, and uh, the fact that I am in a cast with only people of color, and this is the first time that has ever happened to me. I just got chills. Yeah, I'm like, wow, this is, uh, this is what I want theater to be, and I want to be, I want to be in places that we're telling, we're telling stories that don't get heard especially from the perspective of people of color. Um, I think right now, particularly when we're talking about Syrian refugees, we always hear it through the lens of like, oh, this American, usually white woman journalist, went over and took these pictures of these horrible things happening without consent, of course, because she wants you to care. She wants you to care about the Syrians. But will you ever show them just being people or like, how can how why do we have to humanize bodies by showing them like maimed and disfigured why can't we humanize bodies by showing these beautiful stories of of the boys that were lost um i yeah there was there was a lot of imagery recently about um children under fire um and instead of i think i don't think we needed to see 
these children's dead bodies. I would much rather have heard who they were or what they like to do or why why they are more than their death. You know, they're they're people, their lives and now they're spirits and now they're ancestors to their family, you know? And that is something that I I love so much about this this play in particular, Wisdom from Everything is so much about the people and and who they are despite um, despite their circumstance, I guess, and what they are willing to do for their family. Um, and that is, that should always speak more to people and speak on a frequency that, that gets to you without having to hurt, <laughs> um, hurt the, the legacy of a, of a person's life, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, I'm really excited to, to see where the show goes and to start rehearsals. Also because we, we get to work with a nationally renowned director, mm-hmm. um, Seema. Yeah. So, <laughs> it, uh, and she's also a person of color, which is a rarity to work with ever. Absolutely. Um, I've, I've been fortunate enough to, to work with like my wonderful mentor, Dr. Cecilia Pang for so many years, who is the only woman of color um, in theater faculty, which is kind of wild, but um, I love I love being in places where you can see just strong women and femme artists have agency over the work that they want to do and not have any bullshit about it. Just like, hello, I'm here and I'm gonna make this art and you're gonna listen to it because you should and you're gonna care because you should and you should go tell your friends because you should and that's 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 all that we should ever want to do, you know. Yes! End of podcast. <laughs> we are actually getting near our time. We haven't oh. even like delved into you mm-hmm. being the current Denver oh. Youth Poet Laureate. <laughs> yeah. But Yar, congratulations. I know I don't want to like minimize it, but one of my favorite uh-huh. questions to end on, and especially to uh-huh. ask actors, because I always hope that someone's listening and mm-hmm. they're and actually I asked this question to two of my good friends and might be mm-hmm. developing a mashup play because of it. Thinly veiled Tennessee <laughs> Williams. What? But what are your bucket list roles? If Ooh, you got to write your career for the next few years, roles. what roles are you playing? Okay. Well, the first one, which, you know, I hope maybe this can only happen once Mammoth dies and his estate. Uh, let's this happen. <laughs> Would be I. I want. I want to be literally any character. I don't care which one in Glengarry Glen Ross. I love that play. I. I know, as a intersectional feminist, I should not love that play, but I don't care. I love it. I love weird men that are just hard asses and just yeah. want to talk to you about because all of them have such a clear objective they just want to sell they, that's right. all they want to do for whatever reason they just want to sell and I want to I want to play that um of course Val McKelly from Chicago is my dream role when I went to New York for the first time I saw Chicago and I cried <laughs> so much I knew every word um it was a big all mess definitely want to play her I I will always I'll always have a soft spot for for um, Spring Awakening. I will always oh. want to be in that show. <laughs> I don't care what I play in that show. I mean, ideally, it would be Moritz. Duh. Um, yeah. Because he's the best character. Right. And the least annoying, in my opinion. <laughs> um, and uh, so this one is hard because 
I I have some like ad like uh, activist qualms with it, and I still don't know the right answer. But I would love to play Richard the Third. I would love to play Richard the Third. Love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Page in Colorado Festival. <laughs> they're doing it this this summer. Actually, they're doing Richard the Third. So that can't happen. Um, next time around. But next time around, call me. Call me in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> call me in 20 years when I'm on HRT. Everything's fine. You know. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think those are definitely. I think those are all the ones that I've haven't played yet because I it used to be Beatrice for Much Ado but I played her in high school which is like a weird thing probably come back to her later yeah but yeah you and me you and me <laughs> Beatrice and Benedict let's do it yeah that would be amazing I would love that next project starts <laughs> making go. the rehearsal <laughs> schedule thank you so much for sitting down to talk with me. We're like mirroring our... (laughs) We are. This is why I love podcasts, but I also hate them because no one can see how cute we are. We are are both cupping the left side of our cheek and our legs are crisscrossed, just so you know. At the same time, it was really cute. Put us in a sitcom. It was so cute. (laughs) So cute, damn it. Um, So, folks, listeners, transactions... February 4th at noon in the Gordon Gam Theater at Dairy Arts Center. We are the Wake in the Loft, Loft Theater yeah. at CU Boulder running the 7th through the 11th. Mm-hmm. And then Wisdom from Everything with a local theater company. And we'll have the dates and tickets for all those things in our episode description. Uh, what do you do you wanna what do you wanna send send our listeners off with? Part of me was like, I should sing to them, but I don't Do know. Do it. Sing <laughs> it. Should I, should I sing from our show? Do it. Um, yes. Uh, hold on. I have to think of. <laughs> I said this and I can't remember. You should edit it. should edit here, and then it'll immediately jump cut to me singing, okay? No, I'm going to keep all this in. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Uh, uh, what, are, what, are the, what, are, what are our lyrics? Hold on. Wait. Oh, oh, okay. I'm not a woman. I am not a man. I am not a woman. I am not a man. I erase the taste of sulfur stained hands. I rewrite my part in Satan's plan. Oh, I'll go. I rewrite my part. Oh, I'll go. I rewrite my part. Yay. <laughs> I love you. Thank you. I love you. you. Thank you. <laughs>